Good morning. It's so great to see you. Shout out to those that are online. I know my little sister's online in Watford, Ontario this morning. Miss you, Deb. Love you lots. I know my little brother is supposed to be online. He tells me you're online, so I want to see it in the box if you're online right now. <laughs> uh, what a great morning to be together. Welcome home, Graham. Was it nice in California? Yeah. Does it rain in California? It did, eh? That was probably your fault. Um, oh, man. Hey, um, why don't you just put your hands together and give our media department uh, a thank you for the amazing media that we get every week. And cookies. <laughs> I just love Murray and Lene. If you're new to the faith, you really, 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 really want to take that course. There are other small group offerings as well uh, that Christina uh, didn't have the, the entire list. But go online, hit the, hit the code. We would really love it for you to sign up. And uh, we'll take as many as want to be in basic doctrine. I'm looking forward. It's been a while since I've had opportunity to do a midweek teaching. And uh, I love to teach. So we'll be looking at the basic doctrines of the faith in this semester. This is Teach Us to Pray. Did Mia do a good job last week or what? Yeah. <laughs> in part one, we talked about the relational significance um, to the question that the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And we talked a lot about how important that is and without it, it's really rhetoric. It can be religious. It can be rote. And we, Jesus wants us to connect with him relationally. Then we unpacked it last week, beginning with me, and I'm going to finish it this morning. The content of the Lord's Prayer, not what we should pray, but how we should pray. You know, I can't read out loud what my little brother just texted me. Uh, <laughs> I should shut text off in my, uh, very distracting. I love you too, little brother. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, so <laughs> I lost my train of thought. So uh, Ted taught us, Ted Talk, I hope you had a chance to see our devos. Ted Talk was, uh, he did two, and they were amazing. And he talked about a doctor, uh, doctrinal, uh, some words that we learn in basic doctrine, the transcendence of God, the imminence of God. Uh, both are true at the same time, the transcendence of God, that God is so big, he is the God of the universe. And really the question that that begs is what would he even be mindful of man as David asked in the Psalms. And yet, then there was God's promise of Emmanuel, God with us. And, and so the disciples knew about the transcendent God. And Mia shared with us about how as a young girl growing up in a Jewish background, and she would say in Hebrew, um, she translated for us in, in English, but blessed are you, Lord, O God, King of the universe, the transcendent God. And as um, the disciples asked Jesus to pray, uh, teach us to pray, uh, Emmanuel, God in the flesh, is right with them. He's sitting right in their midst. He's sitting, he's sitting right there. And they ask God, how should we pray? And really what they were doing is they had overheard a conversation, a prayer between Jesus and Jesus' father. And they said, teach us to pray like that. And Jesus said, and why don't we say it together today, our Father in heaven. Let's all say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, for yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Lord, we thank you this morning that our request is the same as the disciples. In this, in this month of prayer emphasis, Lord, teach us to pray as well. Lord, we want to be a church that the fire of prayer would burn brighter and hotter. Relationally and passionately, Lord, our hearts would be drawn to yours. Thank you that that has been the case in these days. But Lord, that we wouldn't just let the fire now dwindle, but Lord, we would add the wood of all of the things we've been learning. Lord, that we would have a year of victory and triumph and close relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said so we broke down some of these aspects and unpacked for you the how of prayer. Um, and, and so I want to just go back and pick up a thought that Mia had, and I'll finish some of these things and pack them. The first one I want to look at, number one, is asking for our daily bread. Asking for our daily bread. We're going to see that, and I want to spend some time on this, because this is so much more than, Lord, uh, I need some groceries today. And even though that would be so applicable uh, in the day we live and, and that you know, the, the, um, the, the food source where people can go, um, food kitchens and, and different places that are offering help have never been so busy, you know, in probably Canadian history. Just a time where economically this would be a prayer for so many people. But for the most part, we're going to see that this is way more than, Lord, I need an egg for breakfast or we are we, in need of supper tonight. And Proverbs 3, chapter 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And an important part of this verse, and he shall direct your path. He will put you on the right pathway. This is such a great word to memorize. Many people, this is the very first scripture they've memorized. How many have Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 memorized? Can I just see your hand? Yeah. Just a real, and I would, if you haven't, those of you that didn't put up your hand, you thought maybe that's a new thought. Memorize scripture. Yeah, David said, your word I hide in my heart. I hide it in my heart. It becomes strength and uh, the Holy Spirit can draw on it. And if you're in a circumstance or situation and you're saying, God, speak to me. When we've read the word and memorized the word, often God can just, the Holy Spirit can just pull that out of your memory banks. It's just a powerful thing to memorize scripture. The Knowing God's will and walking as we should, walking on the path that we're supposed to be on, stems from the very opening few words here, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. It all really stems in trusting God in our relationship with him. And I want to talk about this part of the prayer of give us today our daily bread because that really has everything to do with learning how to trust God. God. And, and we're going to see how this is, this is, this is all uh, tied together. But trusting God is a process, and we understand that at Harvest. And so as you make the decision to follow Jesus, and maybe on a Sunday here, you raised your hand and said a prayer with us, and we offer that opportunity at the end of every service. We'll do it today. Or someone talked to you in a coffee shop or in a small group, and you made that decision, or maybe in the seeds group, as you begin to understand it a little bit more, you made that decision to be a Christ follower. And we say to you now, you need to begin trusting God. It's like I barely know him. <laughs> and we want you to get to know him so you can trust him. And one of the ways we learn to build trust in God is in the area 
of surrendering our daily needs, asking him about our daily needs. So let me show you how even psychologically this works. A newborn baby has no problem expressing itself when it's in a need state. I need food. I need a diaper. I need to be warm. I need to bother my new mom and dad one more time to see if they'll come running when I do this. <laughs> and they do. It's amazing. And so the baby is in a need state many, 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 many times throughout the day. And that need state is met, and that baby bonds to its parents. And so now mom and dad have the capacity, not just you know at this young age, but as the child is growing, and now we speak into this child's life. We direct the child. We lead our children because we're trustworthy as parents, and our children psychologically have bonded knowing, hey, I can trust mom and dad. Now, I know we're not babies, but the principle is this. Every single day, you and I experience need state. Every single day. Several times a day, at least once a day, but probably a lot more than that. And as adults, and because we are adults, we will uh, try to attempt to fill the need state ourselves. I'm a big boy now. I'm independent. I need to look after myself. And so I'm going to do this all by myself. Well, this is how we do it, because sometimes we get it right, but sometimes we don't. Remember, our Father who is in heaven. As we unpack these ideas of trusting God as our Father, think about maybe as you're coming home from work and you've been carrying a lot of stress. And it's not just stress from today, it's not just a stress from the week or the month, but maybe it's just been a stressful year. There's been difficulties that you've been going through. And... Uh, Excuse me, as there it is. My iPad locked up, and I had a sudden surge of adrenaline. Um, you've been carrying a lot of stress. Your blood pressure is high. You're on blood pressure medication. Your doctors told you you need to get that under control. You've had this general sense of emptiness that you really don't have anything to give anyone, let alone meet the needs in your own life. You know you're on your way home where... There's going to be some noisy kids, and they're all in need state, and they have no issues or problems telling you that they're in need state, and they need your time, and they need your attention, and they need whatever. Your husband or your wife, they're there too, and they're going to be in a need state, but you've just got really nothing to give them. So you begin to wonder how you're going to exist, wonder how you're going to make it, and you're kind of feeling like you're making it day to day. And really, if you were honest, you would say, I need. If you were honest, you would identify the needs of your own life, and you try to fill those, and, and so maybe it's with food, maybe alcohol or drugs, or maybe you just have to sit in front of the TV and say, I just need time to veg. I need me time. I'm not saying that me time or TV time would be wrong. But like the other things, if they're being applied just to try to fill a void of a need and they're not working, I want to show you something from the scriptures today that's powerful. You'd love to have more intimacy with your spouse, but see, you're on this track where the two of you are disconnected because you haven't been taking care of your own needs. You haven't expressed your own need. You try to express it to each other, but that just ends up by being in conflict because it just is a lot of pain as you're trying and you're looking to them to feel something in your life that they're unable to do. 
So you just have to resort again to trying to fill your own needs and you'd want intimacy or whatever you might be looking for. And well, maybe I'll go down this roadway of trying porn or maybe I'll try to fill the need by being uh, just thinking about fantasy and, and having someone, a pretend partner, or, or, or maybe that person at work that just seems to get me. person of the opposite sex that's hearing more about your heart and soul because you desperately need it, and they're fulfilling it, but everything I just talked about is taking you down a road to destruction, of difficulty, because we didn't know how to express our need state to our Father who loves us desperately. You see, Jesus was talking about becoming vulnerable with him, with the Holy Spirit, with his Father. And beginning to pour out our heart as we see David do in the Psalms. And to be honest about what, and, and we, don't, we don't, we start in childlike faith and just ugh, get it out. It was very difficult for me to learn how to do that. And I, I, I would say to you, it's probably in my life a very recent, more recent part of my prayer where I unashamedly pour out my needs to the Lord. Because there was a voice in my head that when I used to do that, there was a voice in my head that would say, suck it up. Quit being a baby. You're supposed to be older. You're a pastor after all. You're not supposed to be having these needs in your life. And they're not needs anyway. They're probably wants. Stop it. Suck it up. Pray. Uh, seek my face. Uh, go to the mountain like Moses and, and, and get a life and be spiritual. Okay, I'm sorry, God. I won't complain anymore. And of course, it wasn't the voice of my father. It was the voice of a judge in my own head, judging, judging me and, and, and just a, a, um, a life of feeling scrutinized and my own, my own issues of family of origin, which we all have and get healed from and work through because uh, we had Adam and Eve for parents. In other words, our parents were sinners saved by grace if your parents even were Christians. And if they weren't, then like Adam and Eve, they, they had faults and, and they did things that they shouldn't have done. And we can get really free from that. Somebody say, and as parents, we don't have to worry about messing up our kids. Just put it as a part of their college fund that they can go to therapy and they'll be blessed. But in my family of origin, just feeling, feeling scrutinized and, and, and that voice, and so it, maybe it's that voice or that coach or that teacher or whatever. And so that voice in my head telling me, you need to grow up, suck it up. You're acting like a baby. I needed to learn how to silence that voice and allow my need states to be expressed in the place of prayer because it's powerful, I'll show you. Now, I want to just look at something really quick because it might suggest that, that um, well, that, you know, we, some of us that have been, and we heard, heard Mia talk a little bit about it and Ted talked about it in his Devo that as God, because he's a good father, doesn't give us everything we ask for. And, and, and I just want to show you this because that's what I'm talking about is we can express the need. Remember, we're trying to fill needs that may not be the right need to fill. And so as we express honestly and openly what we need every day to the Lord, and then we're going to see the shift will be we will trust him to meet the need appropriately because we've been doing it inappropriately when we try to fill our own need state without expressing it. 
But at the expression of the need state, something is engaged in dialogue and prayer. So you may have heard this phrase, trust has to be earned. How many have heard that phrase? Put your hand, I just want, want to say, put your hand up. You've heard the phrase, trust has to be earned. Don't put your hands down yet. You know I'm going to trick you, but that's okay. I'm going to trick you anyway. Like Judge Judy, don't try to get ahead of me. You don't know where I'm going. All right. How many, leave your hand up if you believe that's true. Trust has to be earned. I'm going to put my hand down, and I'm going to explain why. Trust begins, first of all, trust is not a uh, monetary buy and sell word. Just like love isn't, you can't buy and sell love. Trust is a relationship word. And so if trust can be bought, if trust can be bought in a marriage, if trust can be bought, I won't trust you until you earn my trust, then I'm forever at your debt. And what if I never, ever, ever expend enough for you to trust me? And I have to live in a marriage where I'm never trusted because it's not enough for that particular person. Trust has to be earned. No, trust to begin in a relationship, there has to be trustworthiness, and that's where we get the idea. So I understand if there's abuse or there's, there's, there's difficulties, uh, violence, you know, and, and we're, trust, we're coming into that, then, then there has to be, I understand, buffer zones, and I have to know it's trustworthy. But I'm talking about in situations, it's all, God is trustworthy, and we're learning that. When we say, I do in a marriage, that we are beginning with the idea, I trust this person. And trust is given, therefore. I give you my trust, which is the beauty of love and the beauty of relationship. And so trust is given under the proper circumstances. We're understanding it's safe to do so. Trust in the Lord, how much? With all your heart. And in the process of trusting, and I'm taking some time, this will be my larger point this morning, because I think it's so important, that as we truly build trust, it happens, yes, on Sunday mornings we experience God, it's wonderful, but each and every day as I come to that place in my prayer time, I can let my guard down, my vulnerability, be real with my Heavenly Father and say, it sucks right now. And life's kind of hard. And I just need, and fill in the blank, and be honest with him and unpack it and let your heart be heard. Because you can't trust with all your heart if you do not wholeheartedly and vulnerably present your heart to him. Without being worried about, do I sound like a baby? I'm supposed to know Jesus better than this. No, I'm suggesting this is daily and David did it. David said this, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. And some other versions that maybe as you learned to quote and I did, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. There'd be no want in my soul. Now, this is not, <laughs> now that I'm a Christian, I'm not allowed to have needs. I need to trust God. If I'm thinking of having a need, you need to stop that right now. You have no needs. You are a Christian, and God is your Father in heaven. And now that God is your Father in heaven, stop it. You have no needs. You're being a baby. Grow up. Which is a religious voice that exists today. 
And I'm pointing at it and identifying it because some of it here, some of us hear that in our heads. And yet Jesus is saying, and I don't have time this morning to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, but Mia did a great job. You can go back and listen. As Jesus poured out, I don't want to go to the cross. Father, I don't want to. And that he was in such anguish that he was sweating blood out of his pores. The stress level in his life was existent as a human, depending on his father and saying, I need you right now. This is for real. Say for real. I like for real Christianity at Harvest. Anybody else like for real Christianity? I want for real prayer as well for you because that was what Jesus was talking. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. What he's saying is it doesn't start with, oh, you're a Christian now. You don't have any needs. Stop it. It's he's your father and your shepherd and he's leading you. And as he's leading you, if you will trust him, and you trust him how? By learning how to express your daily needs to him. I have all that I need. In other words, he fulfills and does something both at the level of my immediate needs, and if I will allow him, it goes even deeper than that. It goes into the places of my heart and soul that need to grow, that get triggered, that are broken, that need healing, and he doesn't have access because we don't even trust him with the vulnerability of our heart. He wants your heart today. He wants mine. The Lord's my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths. There it is, the right path, bringing honor to his name. The apostle Paul had an issue in his life. He called it a thorn in his flesh. If you've ever had a splinter, it can be just a little one in your finger. If you've helped someone in your family, they're like, ah! And you're like, suck it up, it's just a little splinter. Let me operate on you and get that out. Anybody have splinter operators in your family? They just, yeah, they want to get in there. They get, my dad used to get a needle and put it into a flame and get it hot. It was like, you're like, ah, I don't know what's worse. So him going to do surgery on me or, or, or but you got to get it out, get it out. And then you just don't care anymore. Just get it out, get it out. A thorn in the flesh. You have any of those in your life where you're just like, God, get it out. Get my family member out. God, I can't do this anymore. Such a distraction in my life. It's like all this drama. It's all I can see. It's all I can experience. The guy at work, get him out. I'm done. I'm done. I love that phrase. What the heck does that mean? I'm done. Really? Like, what? What does it mean? But we say it, and it's an expression of frustration, and it's, I get it out. Make it go away. And it's a need. And sometimes, as the Lord is our shepherd, Paul said three different times, I beg the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. Oh, thanks for that one. Get it out. Just receive my grace. Grace is an empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit that goes into the depths of who we are spiritually. It's, it's deeper than the flesh. It's deeper than our emotions. It goes, it, it covers us and fills us. And God is saying, while the wall's down and you're in this need state expressing, get it out. And Paul, the apostle, the great leader of the New Testament church, 
begged him three times. He came three times. It took until that fourth time where he realized, I'm going to receive grace. He didn't, obviously didn't receive the grace the first time, the second time, or the third time because he was, get it out! But he stopped long enough to go, this does hurt. This is real. In fact, in that prayer time, he actually heard the Holy Spirit say three times, I just want to pour my grace into your life right now. I want to do a miracle bigger than removing the thorn. I can, I will. But there's a bigger miracle in your heart and soul that will set you to trust me in a way you never believed you could so that when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. I'm meeting those needs. You're opening your heart. This is all good. But right now, let me do something miraculous that will bypass that and do something deep. And Paul said, okay. See, we have to say okay, because he wants you to trust him. He doesn't want to demand it from you. He wants you to give him your trust. Are you tracking this morning? Yeah, come on. Learn to express to the Lord what you need or what you think you need. It's okay. And then trust him wholeheartedly so that you can find the still waters, the green pastures, anxiety-free life, even in the valley of the shadow of death that he has promised because you trust him with all your heart. All right, number two, forgive and be forgiven. I'm working on a new series for February um, on relationship killers. That's its title, relationship killers. We'll start next week. I'm really excited about it. I think the Lord wants to talk to us about um, building stronger relationships uh, in our families and here in our family, uh, our community of faith at Harvest. And uh, we'll be talking about unforgiveness, one of the biggest robbers of, of relationships. So I'm not going to unpack a lot of that today. Um, I want to talk about, as a Christ follower, um, asking Jesus to forgive my sins. When I come to him in a place of prayer, and each day I'm asking for cleansing, and I'm asking for him to, uh, to forgive me. And I want to put it in a context so you can understand how it works and why we would do that. All right, so to ask in a daily fashion the Lord to come and forgive us of sin. When you became a Christ follower, Jesus paid all your sins. Say all. All your sins. He healed our sin nature that could do only, the only thing it could do was sin. And then our sin record a record of sins on our rap sheet that the Bible says as far as the east is from the west, that God doesn't remember it, only God cannot remember. He looks at you not with an understanding of what you've done, but with seeing the righteousness of Jesus that was given. You are as righteous as Jesus. You are as righteous as Jesus. Somebody say amen, or I'm going to keep saying it over and over again. You are as righteous as Jesus' righteousness was imputed, theological word, into your life. And so if he took all our sin when we were saved and saved us from our sin nature, he took all of it. I am not more righteous today because I didn't, I didn't break one of God's laws or do something to offend him. I'm as righteous as I was on the day I received salvation. I have the righteousness of Jesus. I'm just setting the context because I want you to understand that it is necessary, it is necessary in our relational approach to the Lord 
to allow him to look into our lives and to identify areas that we need to ask him for his forgiveness. But there are two extremes, and I just want to paint the picture of these two extremes talking about marriage so you understand we don't live in either extreme. So think of it this way. Christine and I stood on a platform just like this one over 40 years ago, and we pledged our love to one another. And we entered into the deepest and closest relationship available on planet Earth between a man and a woman. It's called marriage. It is the closest, it has the potential to be the closest relationship. It's called a covenant relationship. There are no other covenants relationship. That level where heart, soul, body, three cords tied together. It's beautiful. And it happens when we pledge our love. It's the beginning. Before our honeymoon was over, it was a week in the Poconos, I had done something that I shouldn't have done. And I offended my new bride. And I had sinned against her, if we want to use that phrase. I don't remember if I knew that I had done it or I didn't know that I had done it, but I was given realization that I had done something that was not in alignment with the pledge of love that I gave her. It was contradictory to what I had pledged to her. I will love you. I will give my life. It was contradictory. It was a behavior that contradicted that. And so it needed to be talked about. It needed to have some attention brought to it. Now, there are two ways we could deal with that. She could bring it to my attention, and I could go, Listen, suck it up, buttercup, because um, you married me for better or for worse. And it sounds like you're having some of that worse right now, but that's okay because you took me just as I am. Just as I am without one plea. You don't know the song? Okay, then the joke doesn't work. Um, (laughs) At the end of every Billy Graham crusade, Oh, now you know what it is? It's just, I sang it so far off key, you didn't know the song. All right. As we draw to a close in this service, every head bowed, not yet. And I could have said, look it, you took me the way I am, so love me the way I am, and I'm going to stay this way, and you're just going to have to get over the fact that I had a behavior you didn't like. The other extreme would be, that's it, I'm done. We're going down to the concierge of the hotel, Understand they have the powers of divorce. We are divorced. It is over. It's done. Rip up the marriage contract. Well, what if I say sorry? I'll think about it. You can earn my trust. We'll get remarried tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll get remarried and start this over again. Okay, I'll do that. Let's do that. Okay. So you do another marriage ceremony and do you, do you? Yes, we do. Yes, we're great. How How many times would you guys have been married that if every time you sinned against a spouse, you got divorced? There are Christians that treat Jesus that way. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he made covenant with you. And the sign and the pledge of his covenant was in blood, his blood, in his hands, in his forehead, in his side. He said, I love you this much. And he pledged his love to you. And he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, even to the ends of the age. David said, I can make my my bed in hell, and you find me there. The love of God, the pursuant love of God. When we accept that into our lives, then we pledge our love to him. and, And we begin by saying yes, but the ceremony 
And we, have, we love the ceremony at Harvest. It's called water baptism. And in water baptism, we pledge our love. We put our wedding band on by going into the waters of water baptism. And we say, we identify with your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And Jesus, I pledge my love to you today. Now, Jesus will never have to come to us to get it right. You got that, right? <laughs> now, sometimes we do ask him because we do feel let down by God and offended by God, all those things. But you were, we, we, he'll, he's open for the conversations. But we're going to let him down. And we're not divorced. I've had people ask me, Pastor, you know, this morning, I miss, you know, if I missed my prayer and I didn't ask Jesus to forgive this area of my life, I get hit by a car and die, do I go to heaven? Are you divorced? Or are you married? Well, I'm married. And he loves me and I love him, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I break his laws and I offend him. Right. And so what we do each day in prayer is because we love him so much, we say, Lord, I want to lean into you and I want nothing to stand in the way. And I want my behaviors today to line up with my pledge of love to you. And I realize that my behaviors yesterday didn't. Would you forgive me for that? The Psalmist David, as we end and the team's coming up, Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. Scary thought, isn't it, to be fully known and fully loved? And God knows everything about you. There's nothing you can hide from God. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, oops, even when I'm far away from you. You see me when I travel and when I rest. You know everything I do, oops. You know what I am going to say even before I say it. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. And then he stops and goes, this is just too freaky for me to even understand. Because how does God who knows all my faults, knows how, he not only knows what I've gotten wrong, he knows what I'm gonna get wrong tomorrow. If you knew what your spouse was gonna get wrong tomorrow, today, if you had foreknowledge, you'd be already given the silent treatment. They'd be going, what's wrong? Tomorrow you're going to blow it. And I just, I'm, I'm just angry at you right now. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> he knows it and adores you and loves you so much that he doesn't change how he thinks about you. And so David goes on and says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. And here's the key. How precious are your thoughts about me? Oh, Lord, they cannot be numbered. You serve Father God who wants to hear you pour out your need states. You serve Father God who is not the God who's going to pick your faults all apart when you come to him. And you go, okay, God, it's that time of the prayer. I'm a screw up. I know. I'm ready. Tell me. I'm ready. I'll take it like a man. Tell me. And then he starts going, well, I'm glad you asked. Here we go. Here's the list. You suck at this. You should have tried harder at that. I hate it when you do this. And how many times are we going to have to talk about this one? In that religious voice, it's not the voice of God at all. Because David just finished saying, ha, you know all of this about me. You know how frail I am. You know how weak I am. So 
So what is it then that he's going to talk to you about? When you open up your heart and go, I'm really sorry about. Is God is not the God who wants you to come in prayer so he can pick out all your faults, all your shortcomings. He's fully aware of them. And his thoughts toward you are precious. And so David, understanding now, same chapter, another verse, it's clued in. He goes, oh, 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 I'm not disqualified. This doesn't change our relationship. Search me, oh Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. Why? Lead me along the path of everlasting life so that I can hear and walk in this blessed pathway you have for me. As we do that, he's able to go into those areas of our heart that are the root system of some of these consistent failures. And if all you're doing is saying, oh, I sinned. God, forgive me for sinning. Oh, I didn't do that. Forgive me for that. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. And you're just checking the boxes because you think somehow that's going to send you to hell. You're missing the point. He knows those things. He saved you from your sin. He relationally wants you to trust him. Pour out your heart and then get before him and go, oh, search me. Heal me. Strengthen me. Go into the depths of who I am. Why? Because we don't know those areas. He does. I didn't have time for lead us not into temptation. We're going to forgive others. We'll talk about it. I'm past time. Deliver us from evil. We did a whole series on um, Recover All. Plug that right in there. If you didn't hear it or you're new, go back in our archives and listen to the Recover All series. That is Deliver Us from the Evil One. Lead us not into temptation in a sentence is this. God cannot tempt you. He will not entice you to sin. He's not trying to get you to mess up. That is contradictory to everything we've talked about this morning and everything we would see about God. The word temptation, lead me not into temptation, can be, it depends on the context of who's doing it. If the Satan is doing it, then it's temptation. He wants you to sin. If we're in a difficult time of our life, God is testing, not for his sake, but for yours. That he loves you so much that he wants to reveal to you areas of your life that need to be locked up against enemy advancement. When you pray and I pray, lead me not into temptation, what you're really praying is this. <laughs> Lord, I don't want to, Lord Jesus, I love you. Please don't, please don't. Lord, I don't want to learn the hard way. I've spent most of my life learning the hard way and I've got the scars to prove it. Can I learn your way? I want to learn your way. I want to learn the easy way. As a father instructs, I don't want to go out and keep doing things all by myself and have to come back and find out that that was really hard <laughs> to learn it that way. How many hard way people do we have? Do you have any other? It's just me? Just me? You make it a prayer. You make it a prayer. You make it a prayer. Oh Lord, Psalm 32, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway of your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. Sometimes my donkiness, my jack, 
asterness. And this is a prayer to check that and go, God, today I don't want to learn the hard way. Thank you that I don't need a bridle or a bit. Yes, yes, Lord, my, my obedience is yours today. I want to learn the easy way. I love you. I trust you. How are we doing? How many would say that was useful for you and that as you just develop prayer life, that some of those ingredients would be helpful for you in your prayer time? Can I just see your hands? Bless you. Awesome. Okay. Then we did. And then how many can say that um, this month has been one that you feel, you feel good spiritually. You feel full. You feel, can I just see your hand? You know what? Then we accomplished what we needed to. And I just pray for you, uh, all the rest of, as we've launched this year. Um, and we'll pray for that in just in a moment. With every head bowed though and every eye closed before we shift gears. If you're here this morning and we've talked about this intimate relationship with Jesus and you would say, Pastor, I, 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 I don't relate. I, I don't know really what you're talking about. I, I don't feel that with Jesus. You might pray every day. You might even read your Bible every day. But you've never had a, a relational connection. The Bible says we are separated from God because of our sin. And we need to, in a moment of time and space, recognize and realize that Jesus died in my place. I'm deservant of death, eternal death, eternal separation from God in hell. But God said, the Bible teaches us that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus as the antidote for sin. And there comes a time in every person's heart and life that the scriptures tell us they're given the opportunity. And this is your opportunity this morning. If you're here and you've never done this, to say yes to the gift of eternal life, to say yes to forgiveness of sin, and yes to the beginning of the most beautiful eternal relationship with God himself. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna count down from three, three, two, and one. When I say one, simply lift your hand. I'll acknowledge it. Probably people will get excited, but then we'll pray a prayer together of invitation where you will, you will ask Jesus to come and do these things. If that's you, today's your day of salvation. And three, be my greatest privilege to lead you in a prayer, two and one. Just raise your hand if you're in the room and you're saying, Pastor, pray for me today. Is there anyone? Online, you can just text in today. I would, uh, um, I'm, I'm making the decision. I didn't see a hand today. We, we all stand uh, to our feet, and we're going to close this service in prayer. Uh, if you do want to give your heart to the Lord a simple prayer like this, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I ask you to come in my life. Forgive me of my sin. I begin eternal life with you now today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's sing this just before we're dismissed.
This morning, our prayer team is available at the front. They want to pray for you. Uh, Christina's going to dismiss us in prayer, but I just ask, because I went long, if you could not talk to anybody and leave quickly so second service would have room in the parking lot. Father, we just thank you this morning, God. And Father, as we are developing our prayer life, God, that you will just show us, Father, teach us, Father, even that we can come and say, where should we or how should I, God? Father, I just thank you for each and every individual here this morning, God. And as they go their way, Father, you will protect them. Father, let them have a great week and just bring us all back together next week. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.